0: This is a Living Streets
1: podcast.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Danielle from Living Streets, Scotland. This episode will be discussing the Antarctic, why it's important to us all and how we can help protect this fragile environment by walking more. The link between Antarctica and active travel to school is not immediately obvious what has the most remote desolate and hostile place on earth got to do with walking to school the answer lies in how antarctica is being changed and impacted by human activity across the globe i'm joined today by our associate donald kent hi don
1: hi yeah.
0: Uh, now don you've traveled to antarctica yourself alongside the famous explorer robert swan can you tell us a little bit about antarctica
1: i can It's huge, it's 3,000 miles across. That's, That's the distance between Scotland and New York. It's very, very high. The ice on top of the continent is four miles deep. It's very, very remote. Humans only got to the South Pole in 1911. That is only four months before the Titanic sank. It's only 58 years before we landed on the moon. It's that wild and it's that remote. I'll give you a couple, of, a couple of figures to point out how bad it is. Lowest recorded temperature, minus 90. Highest recorded wind speed, about 180 miles an hour. Nothing lives in the center of Antarctica. It's a complete desert. There are no plants, there are no animals. Rainfall, snow has not fallen. On Antarctica for hundreds of thousands of years. It's the most complete desert on earth. All the snow and ice is blown in on those strong winds from around the edge and it's around the edge where all the wildlife is and what interests the children.
0: Antarctica plays a big role in what you do in schools. Can you tell us about that and why why it's important?
1: Well, Antarctica even though it's so wild and remote is being really affected by the way we're changing the planet so I start in schools by talking to the children about how big and how wild it is and then I start looking at the wildlife the seals the penguins the whales the big seals that eat other seals and penguins called leopard seals they eat six penguins a day and they were fascinated by that. They love that whole thing. So then I move from there to environmental destruction, things like deforestation, plastics, uh, pollution of all sorts, and I bring it right back down to what they do as individuals in Scotland and what they can do because all of this seems so big and so wild and so. You can't grasp how big the whole problem is. And children feel overwhelmed. But we can point out to them that the best thing that they can do to help Antarctica and to help the world is by walking and cycling and scooting to school. And I always quote Greta Thunberg who said, no one is too small to make a difference.
0: And how do you show that link to the children between Antarctica and walking to school?
1: Antarctica has been explored by people basically walking across it, including Robert Swan. And what I do is I look at Antarctica and how the world has responded to Antarctica and the way that Scotland had a role in part of its destruction. Because whaling fleets from Scotland used to sail down there and they used to kill millions. Well, 1.5 million whales were probably killed at the height of whaling, nearly drove whales to extinction because we wanted their oil, we wanted their bones, we wanted their blubber. So Scotland had a role in some of the destruction of Antarctica and it can also have a role in the way that we preserve it. And at the moment, since 1959, Antarctica is unique on the planet and it's a model for how we could maybe move forward to protect other areas like rainforest. So, since 1959, the Antarctic Treaty means that nobody can own Antarctica. You can't build a factory there, you can't build a house there, you can't stick your country's flag in it, you can't exploit it for any uh, oil or gas or coal or minerals or anything. All you can do in Antarctica is science and peace. And that is a, a model for a way forward for maybe other parts of the planet that that are threatened. And Robert Swan has set up an organisation to help try and preserve Antarctica as the as the one place that we actually just leave alone. And that's called Twenty Forty One. And that's that's a date not far in the future now when the Antarctic Treaty comes up to be renewed or to be abandoned. So. 2041 is the campaign to renew it and leave Antarctica as the only place on earth that we haven't tried to destroy.
0: Robert Swan is famous for being the first person to walk to both poles. How did you meet him?
1: Well, that's quite an interesting story in its own right. You're right, he is the first person to walk to both poles and holds the record at 900 miles for the longest unassisted walk across the surface of the planet which was from the edge of antarctica to the south pole in 1989 and i started my, my when i was when i was much younger i was very very active in in transport and environment issues i was involved in anti motorway protests and things of that nature and promoting active travel but i didn't meet robert swan until 2015 despite the fact that I found out that we are actually brothers. So what happened was that my mother, our mother, had me and I was adopted as a small child. She went on to have two more children, the youngest of which is Robert Swan. I didn't find out about this until this century really and I didn't actually get to meet Robert until I went to Antarctica with him. So I had to go to the most southerly city on earth, Ushuaia, in Argentina and I met him for the first time there in 2015 and I got on a ship and we sailed across the wild Drake Strait between South America and the Antarctic Peninsula and spent two weeks exploring the Antarctic Peninsula together and we found out that we had so much in common and and we've both been committed to saving the planet in our different ways all our lives and yet we had never met.
0: And um, you've discovered that walking is in your blood and it goes back much further than you and Robert, uh, can you tell us a bit about that?
1: It goes back a lot further than me and Robert uh, and f- frankly any walking that I do is of a mere nothing compared to, um, to my ancestors, to our ancestors. Um, <coughs> We're we're related, we're direct relations from the Barclay family who lived in Stonehaven in Aberdeenshire and they were always prodigious walkers. Uh, One of them, William William Barclay, was an MP in, in London and once walked from Stonehaven to London in 10 days in the 16th century. And another generation on, a man, a man called Robert Barclay is credited with the invention of walking as a sport. He walked so far and so fast that in 1812 he was challenged to walk a thousand miles in a thousand hours for a wager of a thousand guineas. In today's terms that's over five million pounds and he walked round Newmarket Racecourse and it became such an event that people were coming out from London in stagecoaches and uh, carriages and things and they had to actually hold the crowds back from from the racecourse to uh, watching, watching him walk round and round and round. And he, he walked a thousand miles in a thousand hours and won his bet. And later on after that, a man called Sir William Barclay Pete, the family name had changed into Pete. Sir William Barclay Pete, who founded an accountancy business in London, he advertised that in uh, about um, about 1850 by walking again from Aberdeenshire to London. Uh, to publicize that. Then Robert Swan becomes this person who walks this prodigious amount of uh, uh, across the surface of Antarctica. So from from that background walking to school, cycling to school and scooting to school just comes a second nature and we don't all want to walk from Stonehaven to London but walking those short distances to school really 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 makes a difference.
0: Uh, So what was it like exploring the Antarctic? Uh, Did you notice the effects of climate change when you were there?
1: We did and we looked at, um, we started off in South America in Terra del Fuego which is the most southerly island at the bottom of South America and we climbed up into the mountains above the city of Ushuaia where a glacier has almost disappeared. Uh, I mean, it's gone from a glacier that looked over the town to a small patch of ice right up near the summit of the mountain. And that's happened in about 50 years. And it's a great worry for people in Ushuaia because that's where all their drinking water comes from. So that's an impact that climate change is having, uh, even in South America. And when we got to Antarctica, we were looking at huge icebergs that had split away from um, ice shelves prematurely. Some of them miles square. They were absolutely huge. And we looked at the effect that the warming climate was having on the wildlife, on the penguins. And we looked at how human activity is still impacting because we're overfishing the area around Antarctica. Huge uh, industrial fishing fleets are literally ripping the life out of the sea and that leaves less food for the penguins, less food for the gulls, less food for the albatrosses and the seals and everything that depends on the fish. So we investigated all of that and we also had a look at how we could change things by living on renewable energy. So Robert bought a whole pile of solar panels and we climbed uh, from little boats onto a, a floating iceberg and we set up all these solar panels on the iceberg and showed how much electricity we could save and we could we could generate even in this wild uh, remote place from solar energy and later on in 2018 Robert walked again from the edge of Antarctica to the South Pole with a team. But this time he wasn't trying to beat any records. This time he was just trying to do it on renewable energy, using solar power and biofuels. And his argument is, if we can live entirely on renewable energy in the most remote, wild and hostile place on Earth, we shouldn't have a problem with doing that in, the, in, in places where life is a lot easier like Scotland. So our message from Antarctica to the children of Scotland is don't feel overwhelmed by climate change and pollution and the way that human beings are affecting the planet because you too can make a difference and a huge difference to the global environment and to your local environment. Walk, cycle, scoot to school, and we can change this together.
0: Thank you so much, Don. Uh, And now we have a message from your brother, Robert Swan.
1: Hi, everybody. My name's Rob, and I'm speaking on behalf of Living Streets, and I know that my brother Don has been forging this great campaign forwards. Many years ago, I was the first person in history to have walked... 900 miles to the South Pole, 700 miles to the North Pole in some extremely cold weather. So guys and girls, get out there, walk to school. We can make a huge difference with lots of these small efforts. I wish you all the very best. This is Rob Swan, who's done a lot of walking. Message ends.
0: I'm Anne Doherty. Thanks to our contributors to this podcast. Danielle Angeli, Donald Kent and of course, Robert Swan. For more information about any of our walking programmes and for more podcasts, visit our webpages, livingstreets.org.uk.